On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about how I measure success, the reason I moved to Wales, and when you know it's the right moment to walk away from something. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 33. I almost forgot which number. Episode 33 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. For 52 weeks between the ages of 24 and 25, I'm going to be recording and releasing a weekly podcast to see just how much my life can change in a year. This is the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and it's a completely honest view into my life as I take on some fairly unusual things. And this episode right here is all about week number 33 in that journey. At least it's kind of about week number 33 because actually I'm recording this about 36 hours earlier than I usually would. So really, we're only halfway through the week. But this is the um, it's the latest opportunity in the week I have to record this because tomorrow I'm going to spend the day sat in a car driving between Cardiff and Edinburgh I say driving sat in the passenger seat can't drive still waiting for um driving lessons to resume but yeah so I'm going to spend the day in the car tomorrow which means that between now and when this podcast actually comes out and is listened to by you I'm just not going to have any other chance to do it so here we are uh, also Funnily enough, this is the second time I've had to record this podcast. I just sat here about an hour ago, recorded the whole thing inside of the software I use, which is Adobe Audition. Uh, And it records out to like an external hard drive that's plugged into my laptop so that I can um, record the whole thing with quite a big file. Uh, And just as I finished recording, I was just listening back to it and I tapped, accidentally tapped the wire, which is like the USB adapter for the hard drive going into my MacBook, which knocked the hard drive out. And of course, that means that the temporary file just fucked itself. The entire episode was gone. So actually what you're listening to is episode number 33 and a half, because I've already done 33. It's just it doesn't exist. Um, So look, this week, not least because we're only halfway through it, really hasn't been that eventful. Since we spoke last week, all I've really done is travel from... Corby, where I was last week, to Hatfield, did a day of work with Richard and Alex, and then came back here to Wales, where I am now, and basically all I've done in Wales is work or go on walks. So, you know me, not one to miss an opportunity for easy content. What I'm going to do this week, as I've done a couple of times in the past, is just answer your questions. Uh, Now, I know I've just said it, but forgive me if these answers sound a bit weird. I have already answered them once, so I'm going to try and keep my answers as true to my initial responses as possible. Um, What I like to do with these questions is uh, read them and then answer them in a completely unprepared state. And of course, that's what I did first time around. That's what I did when I answered them an hour ago in the recording that now doesn't exist. I, of course, can't do that now. I've read them, I've answered them once already, so my answers may be slightly different. But I'm going to try and uh, almost replicate what I said last time around. So I asked yesterday night, as you may have seen on Instagram, for you to send in any questions you may have. 
of those, I've picked, I think, five questions. And I'm going to answer them now. So the first one is from Taffy. And he said, it's hard not to use numbers as a measurement of success. How can I deal with this? So I think what Taffy's getting at here is that lots of people use, say, the number on a bank statement as an objective measure of whether or not you or anybody around you is successful. Now, the the inherent problem with using something such as a number to measure success is actually twofold. I think the first problem is that uh, in almost any industry, in almost any career, in almost any thing you set your mind to in life, the first five or ten years of doing that thing um, don't don't garner the best results, right? When you set out to start a business, your revenue number in years one, two, three, four, five probably aren't that high. If you set out as a musician, your listener numbers in the first two, three, four, five years probably aren't that high. If you're looking, particularly at a young age, for numbers as some sort of validation that you're doing the right thing, you're probably looking in the wrong place. Because you can be heading in the absolute right direction, completely on track for success. But if the only metrics you use are numbers, if the only measurement you use is numbers, you may be disheartened, you may think that actually, you know, what you're doing isn't paying off, you're not heading in the right direction. And so, uh, last time, when I answered this an hour ago, um, I, I kind of, I thought back to the the podcast I did on New Year's Day, when I spoke about my goals for this year, and the reasons why this year I set myself no outcome-based goals. Because an outcome-based goal is essentially pulling some sort of arbitrary number out of thin air and then saying, this year, I'm going to head towards doing X with this number. And there's actually a couple of problems with that. The first is that, like I said, the number is completely arbitrary. So it's not really a measure of success any more than it is a measure of your estimation of yourself at a particular point in time. And the second problem is like we've spoken about a couple of times on this podcast now, hedonic adaptation dictates that when you reach a goal, if that goal is really clearly defined as a number, you don't get the happiness and advantages that you think you're going to get from reaching that goal. So there are countless studies, the science agrees on this entirely, that let's say you think that you'll be happy when you have £100,000 cash in your bank. So you could work for five or 10 or 20 years. You could save your ass off. You could not go out for food with friends. You could do all of the things that would eventually get that six figure cash in your bank. But then hedonic adaptation tells us that you will very quickly adjust to that being your new state of normal. And so the happiness that you get from that, the security that you get from that, the good feeling that you get from that numbers based outcome, that measurement of success that uses a number is very short-lived and so I think there's a better way and that is to measure success as a feeling rather than as a number and by that standard I would say I'm already successful I don't have a hundred thousand pounds in the bank I don't have a car or house or any kind of 
uh, materialistic thing that people would externally point to and say that person is successful. But what I do have is almost entire control over my life and the decisions I make and what I choose to do. I have the ability on any given day to wake up and say either yes or no to any opportunity. And then I have the freedom to live with the decisions I make. And that's far closer to success, in my opinion. And it's probably uh, far closer to the path that you need to take to eventually have what what some people may consider success. And by that, I mean, you have to feel like you're enjoying the process of doing the thing for five or ten years when the numbers are still low to actually see you through to the point where you have £100,000 in your bank account, where you have 100 million streams on Spotify where you have anything that people would point to and say oh look that person's successful but I think that we as individuals should measure success as a feeling rather than as a number and so to go back to the podcast that I spoke about that I recorded on New Year's Day that's why this year I am setting or rather I have set only process-based goals now I did a bit of a u-turn on this a few weeks ago But generally speaking, this year, the only thing I've set for myself is to follow the process, right? So rather than saying I want 10,000 frequent listeners on the podcast, which, by the way, we're fucking nowhere near that, obviously. But rather than saying that at the beginning of the year, I just said what I'm going to do is I'm going to commit to recording and releasing one podcast every single week. Rather than some enormous revenue number through Patter... Don't get me wrong, we have targets, but rather than some enormous revenue number that's completely arbitrary, I just said this year I'm going to turn up every day, I'm going to do what I need to do, I'm going to take care of what needs to be taken care of in the best interest of the business and the people around us. And then more recently with the email newsletter, rather than saying I want X number of subscribers, I've just said I'm going to turn up twice a week and I'm going to follow the process for years and years of putting out email content and I'm going to see where it takes me. And I have a feeling, I said this at the time, I'll say it again now, I have a feeling that following that measurement of success, the process rather than the outcome, actually in the long run leads to better outcomes. So, you know, I'm not sure if that directly answers your question, Taffy. But listen, I think that the, the best route of action is just to put your head down. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as anybody else right now. The best way to get success is to just put your head down to block out anything that's overly quantifiable in the early days because there's not going to be much of it around and just hold your breath for five years or hold your breath for 10 years and that really in my opinion is what separates successful people from unsuccessful people how long you're willing to go in absence of results to eventually get those results the next question was from Cameron Rawson I think I've already answered it this time around, but Cameron said, where are you traveling to? Uh, We're off to Edinburgh. We are, much to my dismay, driving there. I was hoping that we could fly because the flight takes about 50 minutes and the drive takes fucking eight hours each way, which is mad. But either way, uh, we were going to go to Dublin and I was on the, because flights to Dublin right now are ridiculously cheap. They're like £19 each way with Ryanair. Um, So I was on the checkout page and I thought just before I put in my card details, just before I book these flights and start looking at hotels, I'm going to just just triple check that uh, there's there's like an air bridge, quote unquote, to Ireland. 
and it turns out there's not. From what I understand, from what I read on the Foreign Office website, those arriving into Ireland from anywhere other than Northern Ireland right now have to do a mandatory quarantine of 14 days. And so, thankfully, I checked just in time because there would have been, of course, nothing more inconvenient than landing in Dublin for three days and then realising that I have to quarantine for that entire time, if not longer, because I don't really know how the rules work. So, yeah, was going to go to Dublin, not going to Dublin driving to Edinburgh. I suppose that answers the question. Um, Kevin said, what brought you to, or rather Kevin asked, what brought you to South Wales and are most of your clients local? So there's a really, really, really long answer to answer this, but there's also quite a short answer. The, the, the super long answer can be found on episode number one of this podcast if you scroll back and listen. Uh, but the short answer is basically that during the Corby magazine days, me, Lewis and Christian, so Lewis Porter, my business partner at the time, he now runs the Handmade Christmas Co. and Christian Owens, the founder of Paddle.com. Back in the early days, the three of us were in an office together in Corby and we came up with a business idea for a food discount card similar to that of Taste Card. We called it NomCard. Uh, we designed a website. We started knocking on doors of takeaways in the local area and as far afield as places like Leicester and we were slowly getting some traction with takeaway owners but we hadn't yet launched and then a few months into that project Lewis got an email from a complete stranger in Wales who happened to be Richard who you may now know as my current business partner and Lewis said look there's this guy in Wales he's working with a business partner of his on a very similar idea to NomCard and so he wants to meet up and so we said, fuck it, why not? Let's meet with a stranger from the internet. Great idea. Uh, and we did. That's what happened. We had a conversation about NomCard and the other taste card alternative. Uh, and actually, in the end, nothing came of either of the business ideas. Neither of them ever really launched. But, and this is an important lesson in and of itself, though he couldn't do anything for me at the time because neither of the businesses launched I kept in touch with Richard and over the years when I was in like sixth form and just afterwards uh, Richard who is very well connected knows a lot of people in business just through working his way up in the the world of business around here um, has lots of contacts and so people would come to Richard and ask for websites and he would hand as freelance work in the the very early days he would hand design work to me he knew Alex, so he would hand development work to Alex. And it was after a short while that we realized that we actually had the makings of a good agency there. We had somebody who was good at business development and strategy. We had somebody who was good at design and we had somebody who was good at development. And if you strip that right the way back, that's essentially three of the four key pillars you need for a good uh, like design agency as we were at the time. And so... We started formalizing things. We came up with the name Dream. Of course, we're Patter now, but we came up with the name Dream. Um, and we started acting a little bit more like an agency. And one of the things that we did in line with that is we got our very first office, which was this like ropey room above a transport company in the South Wales Valleys. And so we had an office, so I would come to Wales a little bit more often. I would come to Wales maybe for four days every other week or whatever. And I never, I never intentionally moved to Wales. It was just that I eventually uh, would come here 
more and more and more often until now these days I'm probably here three out of every four weeks of the month um, but it was around the time when we got our first office in Cardiff about three years ago that I actually started coming to Wales more and more often and the second part of Kevin's question was are most of our clients based here now the answer these days is no which I'll come on to in a minute but of course the answer back then was yes the reason it made sense for us to be based here in Wales is that through Richard's contacts uh, our initial client base was here in Wales now these days we have a handful of clients in Wales we even have a client who's based in the same building as us but actually the majority of our clients are based elsewhere in places like Corby in places like Oxford Bromley London uh, and even you know as far afield as Australia and America. So the majority of our clients now aren't based in Wales, but that's not a problem. You know, we've we've been set up for remote work and video calls for the longest time. And uh, this recent coronavirus lockdown causing everybody to do business online has done nothing but do us a massive favor because we're already well prepared to do business in this way. And now the economy, the world, the market is catching up. So I'm sure that'll do us some favors as we continue to get more and more clients who are not based in Wales. Um, so Hannah said, how are you? Which I'm not sure if that was actually a question for the podcast, but yeah, I'm good. I was better an hour ago when I didn't have to record this a second time, but yeah, I'm good. Having a good time. Um, Rich Tenner said, which podcasts sorry which personal growth podcasts do you listen to and recommend uh, to be honest with you although i listen to a lot of podcast content i probably listen to like between 10 and 14 hours of podcasts a week particularly when i'm out for those long walks that i talk about though i listen to a lot of podcasts uh volume wise it's actually only from like four or five creators so you know, the first one I have to mention, shout out, is Peter Watson's. Peter is the founder of Distract and a good friend, and he has a podcast called Behind the Journey where he talks about his business journey. So in the early days, that was his business journey, Growing Distract, which is a marketing agency in Lincoln. And then more recently, that podcast has been about uh, what it's like to be a business owner during coronavirus and also the six or seven businesses that he either has or is in the process of launching so that's a really interesting one uh, the podcast i probably listen to most frequently in fact remove the word probably the podcast i listen to most frequently uh, is definitely one called modern wisdom and it's by a guy called chris williamson now i discovered modern wisdom by absolute accident i was watching about two years ago in the office i was watching love island as you do and uh, having been on the apprentice and seen the behind the scenes of that program i'm quite interested in how other similar programs are made and so i uh, i think i googled like love island behind the scenes and he had recently uh, published a YouTube video version of his podcast, which at the time he had done like hardly any episodes. It was super, super early days. And the podcast was called something like what it's really like to be on Love Island. So I thought, yes, I'm going to watch that. Not realizing that there was an entire back catalog of super interesting content behind it. So I watched that, clicked onto his YouTube channel. I think I watched his interview with Don McGregor of Social Chain. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy who... Uh, Don McGregor's been sober for about three and a half years at that time I'd probably been sober for getting on for a year and so I thought shit this is really interesting 
Uh, and then I kind of fell into the modern wisdom trap of listening to every episode, uh, watching the videos. And these days, don't get me wrong, it was good back then, but these days I would definitely say that Modern Wisdom is the most valuable podcast on the planet. I know people love things like Joe Rogan, and don't get me wrong, I love a Joe Rogan clip on YouTube, but there's something about the way uh, that Chris on Modern Wisdom is able to get literally the smartest minds on the planet. We're talking about the most influential scientists, the biggest authors, the most interesting thought leaders in the world onto an interview and then ask him questions from the perspective of the least smart person in the room. And I'm sure Chris would agree with me when I say this, that he intentionally comes at questioning these very uh, complex minds from quite a simplistic place. And in doing so, he makes the complex minds very accessible. And so having, he puts out three episodes a week, having, say, between three and five hours of conversation every single week with literally the smartest people on the planet, the insight you can get from that is just fucking incredible. So that's a good one. I listen to that a lot. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to grab open my Spotify and see what else I listen to, podcast-wise. Uh, there's one called The Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish of Farnham Street, of fs.blog. Uh, that's good. It's kind of like modern wisdom, just a bit harder to listen to, if I'm honest. But, you know, it's conversations with intelligent people, interesting thought leaders. Um, there's one I listen to called Grow Your Online Fitness Business. Now, obviously, I do not have an online fitness business and I'm not looking to grow one, but it's by a couple of guys called Yusef and Johnny from propanefitness.com. And I actually know of them through Modern Wisdom. They co-host some of the episodes, but they have their own podcast um, and they're just a really interesting couple of guys. Yusef is a doctor and Johnny is an ex-accountant and they've come together to create an online fitness business and in doing so they just have lots of anecdotal uh, I guess stories insight into what it's like to run a business and so I enjoy listening to that and then here's one actually the final podcast I listen to I've been getting uh, a lot recently into SAS Who Dares Wins I do this thing where I watch no TV for a year and then binge watch an entire box set of series on demand so I did it a few months back with Hunted right now I'm doing it with SAS Who Dares Wins and Foxy from SAS Who Dares Wins Jason Fox has a podcast called Wild Tales Podcast and again it's just the exact same format he sits down with people he has a conversation it's quite interesting and you can take away uh, nuggets of information uh, as a result of listening so I know that the question was which personal growth podcasts do I listen to I would argue that excluding maybe modern wisdom none of them are explicitly personal growth podcasts they're just podcasts that are either somebody thinking out loud or a conversation between two or more interesting people however i think they're the best kind of podcasts they're the kind of podcasts where you need to do a little bit of work to arrive at that point of personal growth you could just listen as a passenger not really engage with the thoughts that people are having and just pass the time by listening to these but if you really sit down and listen with intent to podcasts which are either like i say interesting people sharing their own thoughts or having a conversation with somebody else if you can be a fly on the wall to these incredible conversations and thoughts that 10 years ago 
we could only dream of having access to. I think that's a space where you can do huge amounts of personal growth, far more than if you listen to just quote unquote personal development content. So that that's kind of where I sit on that. And then the final question that I answered last time around that I'm going to give a rehash of this time around was from Chris Noble. And Chris asked, how do you know when you need to walk away from something? Is it just a gut feeling? And I can be quite short on this one, I think, because my answer in a word is yes. Uh, The example that I think of is having grown Magnate, the business, for about three years uh, back when I was like 19, 20, 21, or whatever it was, um, for reasons that I won't bore you with, because it could be a fucking two-hour-long podcast of itself, uh, I made the very hard decision to walk away from that business. Having built it with four print issues, having interviewed the likes of Boris Johnson, Richard Branson, having built an advertiser base of really big, well-recognised brands, and having brought it just up to the line of just about being to sustain itself as a full-time real business. At that point, when I'd built all of that, when it was just about ready to go, when it was, you know, it was in the oven, it was two minutes away from being ready, I had to make the hard decision of walking away. And that wasn't because of some calculated long-term thought process, right? I had built most of my identity and most of my, at the time, current version of the future around being with and running that business in the long term. But it had reached a point with certain situations that were ongoing where my gut, not logic, not thought, not a spreadsheet, not long-term projections, but just a gut feeling told me that that particular point was the exact moment I needed to just walk away and uh, you know I think that we as humans have an incredible compass within us to know when something just doesn't feel right it's the same reason why you know somebody's walking behind you in a fucking alleyway at night time you know you don't actually have eyes in the back of your head we have just evolutionary grown an incredible quote-unquote gut that tells us when something doesn't quite feel right and you know it you can probably think to it and this is why superstition is so popular right but if you're a logical level-headed person you can think to a time when uh, in your life something hasn't felt right you've ignored that gut feeling and then that gut feeling has been proven right i think our gut is an incredible uh sixth sense that we should all listen to and so you know i'm making assumptions about chris's question here but the wording how do you know when you need to walk away from something is it just a gut feeling tells me that chris could well be in one of those situations right now and i would say to chris to myself to anybody listening that your gut is normally right so chris listen now is probably the right time to walk away and that's it that's all i have um i hope this has been easy enough to follow along I'll be honest, you can probably hear from my voice is quite deep right now. My voice is just fucking going. I've just done an hour's worth of non-stop talking because, you know, recording it twice. So I'm going to try and wrap this up quickly before my voice goes entirely. Um, Listen, I'm just going to plug it very quickly because I, I do think it is the best thing I'm putting out right now. If you're not already part of the mailing list, please do consider signing up. You can do so by going to seanspooner.co.uk forward slash email. I email twice in a week, once on a Monday morning and once on a Thursday morning. I've had some really good feedback recently 
Uh, my email on Monday was about something quite personal. It was a difficult one to write, but I got a couple of nice texts and DMs on Instagram uh, about that message, so thank you if you took the time to read it. Um, and like I say, if you're not already signed up, seanspooner.co.uk forward slash email is the place you need to go. Uh, and listen, I will speak to you in just over a week's time now, because obviously I'm recording this on a Wednesday. But by the time you listen to this, I will be in Edinburgh. I hope you have a good week. I hope you have a good weekend, depending on when you listen to this. And I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 34 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.